This is the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the best of today's Sports Channel 8, the radio show. Got a little bit of breaking news. Whoa, whoa. Look at you. The chicken sale that Renee Chu talked about (laughs) earlier has caused a traffic jam that has closed Lake Wheeler Road in Raleigh right now. (laughs) Wow. Wow. You, you might have to find a different path uh, out of here, Jessica. Byers backed up Centennial Parkway. Oh, yeah. And Lake Wheeler Road, the access to the farmer's market from I-40. So much that Lake Wheeler exit was closed and traffic detoured around the area. The state DOT expected to keep the exit in Lake Wheeler Road closed in both directions through 4 o'clock. Through 4? Is that, I mean, how much chicken do they have? I assume they'd be out pretty soon with all these people. Stock, to, <laughs> Darren Ravel, stock, stock and chicken rising, right? What's going on? Um, yeah, in case you missed it earlier, there, there's uh, an overage of chicken being produced because it's not going to restaurants. So to offset that, these farmers are trying to sell at local farmers markets and where they can at very cheap prices. And people are buying 40 and 60 pound um, quantities of chicken. That's a lot of chicken. It's, yeah. You you're, a chick- de- you're a chicken wings guy. I'm a ch- huge chicken wings guy, and we just figured out how to fry chicken. So now I'm a legs guy too. But you are deep freezer guy. Flats yes, I do have a deep freezer. You can store these. We we need to get together. All right. Anything else on the ticker? Or is it all just traffic and meat? Uh, Tim um, chimed in on Twitter that he did nothing worthy of accomplishment yesterday. Th- come on, thanks. Tim. Come Tim, on. Do something. Do come on, people. Don't let yourself do nothing. Yes. You've got to do something. And then uh, Dennis chimed in that he the most exciting thing he did yesterday was watch Sports Channel 8, the game show. That was exciting. Did you know the uh, Did you know the questions that I asked, the pop cultures? The Lake Lore. New Lake Lore. You knew the John Edwards one because New, I told him Yeah, about I don't it. know if I would have known that without you telling me. And then uh, Brian Geisinger. <laughs> His questions sports were hard. Trivia. I did not know... Some tough. I didn't know any trivia. of them. Yeah, like who has the best shooting per- adjusted shooting percentage under two <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter <laughs> hey, inside but, of fourteen feet, but Geisinger outside of the it. paint. Geisinger brings it. The answer is always Kemba Walker. Usually, that's it, the ticker. <laughs> Be careful out there on Lake Wheeler Road. <laughs> that's the ticker. Ticker in traffic, all in one. And now check out his synergy numbers. It's time to head. To- to your nearest faucet, check out the synergy numbers and wash your hands to the Sports Channel 8 theme song. Let's go! That's right. The synergy numbers say that washing your hands is good for prevention of the spread of disease. So let's do it. Here we go. Scrub. Scrub. Fingers. Fingertips. Keep going. Backs of hands. Get those. A little bit longer. And you're good. Here we go. Rinse. Dry. Goodbye. That is Sports Channel 8, the hand-washing. We have fun with it, but we do not make light of it. Washing hands 
is the one of the best ways to prevent the spread of disease. Do it often. If you don't stop with us and do it now, then do it soon and often. We have someone chiming in about more chicken sales. If you know more, if you, if you know where there are more chicken sales going on across Wake County, let us know. Give us a call 8605-FAN-860-5326. We are not trying to cause more traffic jams, but we would love to connect chicken buyers with chicken sellers. Our friend Jeff in Selma had a chicken sale today, but he was sold out by 9.15 this morning. How much chicken do they have at the farmer's market if they have backed up Lake Wheeler Road and Centennial Parkway, and they plan to be doing it until 4 o'clock? And people are buying 40 and 60-pound quantities. Do you know how much chicken that is? It's a lot. It's about 40 it's, or 60 pounds worth. The, really? fair i left it open for that you asked the question uh a couple things i wonder if i could go up there and buy like the quantities like i do the chicken supremes at bojangles like go for the lesser amount but (laughs) just figured they'll just throw in more figure out i'll get more if you're buying 60 pounds are they weighing that out exactly go for the the 40 and maybe hope you get 45 (laughs) get an extra just just chicken just thrown in here's five more wings yeah just 60 pounds of chicken. I get it. I, I couldn't store it once again. Uh, we'll see if we can find another one. Did you see Jeopardy last night, uh, Josh Goodson? Did not. I will say I'm watching more Jeopardy in this um, in this time. I, I can't DVR Jeopardy. Some people do that. And so often sports are starting at 7 o'clock when, uh, when Jeopardy. What, what, are, what are these sports things yes, you're Yes, exactly. About? So I find myself watching more Jeopardy. And last night there was – an all-time Jeopardy fail, uh, Dennis Cox. Can we hear it? One of the topics covered in a Major League Baseball course at Arizona State is this player who broke the color barrier in 1947. Schalke. Who is Babe Ruth? No. Nathaniel. <laughs> who is Jackie Robinson? Yes. Babe Ruth. Really? Really? Babe Ruth. Now, here's where I've got beef with this, Okay. You know you didn't know the answer when you chimed in. If you're in a situation where, like, you just get thrown a sports question and you've got to put down a guess and the only baseball name you can say is Babe Ruth, fine, I get it. That's what you were saying. But you buzzed in. You rang the buzzer as if you knew this answer. And you said Babe Ruth broke the color barrier and this episode happened to air on Jackie Jackie Robinson. Robinson But maybe I can forgive this person. Because it was pointed out to me by producer Dennis Cox, eagle-eyed producer Dennis Cox, should mm-hmm. I say, that maybe this was just a tip of the cap to another famous bad Babe Ruth guess. Dennis Cox, do we have that audio? The all-time leading rebounder in pro basketball history. Still. Gloria? Who is Babe Ruth? No, I'm sorry. That is wrong. Yes, she did much better in the foods that start with a letter Q, but Gloria from White Men Can't Jump also terribly guessed Babe Ruth there it was what's worse guessing Babe Ruth and it was the wrong sport or guessing Babe Ruth and it was the wrong race the race definitely (laughs) the one okay I I have a question did did you watch it Uh, I'll admit I didn't see this one live what was the category oh that's a good question because I'm curious uh I'm curious if it was one of those things where I don't know art Okay. But if art is a category, you're guessing Van Gogh, All right? And it's gonna like, and you're almost just like doing it 
So she's clicking, thinking she knows the category, and then she comes to find out it's baseball. Like, I was it baseball? And, like, so if, and they hadn't had a Babe Ruth answer yet, so you're almost just implying or, like, or, or even better, was the category American history. Right. She chimes in thinking, I'm going to know this one, then realizes it's baseball, and so she just throws out Babe Ruth. The right. category was unique college courses. So again, may, maybe she's chiming in thinking it's something that she knows has chimed in prematurely, realizes it's baseball, and just says Babe Ruth. Right. I guess that's Maybe. the most excusable. Again, the best justification would be if she said, well, I saw Gloria do it in White Men Can't right. Jump, so I wanted to throw. We have a caller. Is that right, Dennis? Is, is, Jeff, is Jeff on no, the line? No, no, Jeff's not on the line. Okay, he, he just wanted just to relay the information <laughs> that a state the, trooper came by at 9.15 after he had already been in line sitting in his car for about an hour saying, hey, we're all out of chicken now. This is down in Selma this morning. Selma, get your game right, man. If you're going to have a chicken sale, you need to bring more chicken to the party. We need to get well, the weather moose out on the the farmers. I might have to go by. I mean, if well, let's go see if people are tailgating safely. <laughs> but I mean, if like, we're waiting in line for chicken now, I might just do it just because it's the thing to do, yeah. right? I'm bored. I don't have anything to do after this show ends. Our next guest is a Hall of Famer. He was a member of the inaugural class of the Assistant Basketball Coach Hall of Fame. He's the longest tenured assistant coach in the ACC. He was the first hire of Leonard Hamilton when he got the job at Florida State. This season, Florida State won 16 ACC games, was the number one seed, and crowned ACC champions when we were cut short of the ACC tournament. They set a school record for 26 regular season wins, finished fourth in the national rankings. That was the first time they've ever been the highest-ranked ACC team nationally at the end of the season. He is a noted scout, recruiter, game strategist, and a developer of big men. Our guest, Stan Jones from Florida State. Coach Jones, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Hayes and Josh, for having me. You get an introduction like that, man, it makes you kind of feel like a diaper. You know, you feel all warm and moist on the inside, but it can't show on the outside. That is, uh, that is uh, the best first response we've ever had from a guest. Stan, I, I have to level with you, and I have no – journalistic principles we are just some fans of sports who happen to get a sports radio show and we have become fans of yours we're fans of the acc we've gone to the acc tournament for a number of years we've watched you work your craft we're obviously fans of leonard hamilton and your program so part of this is an admiration interview i just want to tell you how much we talk about you on our show and how big of fans we are of you and your work so it is an honor truly to have you on the show my friend well, it's always exciting for me to talk FSU basketball, and that's uh, unbelievably gracious to you guys, and I look forward to chopping it up here with you for a while. Hey, let's go back and relive a weird day that I know you'll never forget. March 12, 2020, your team ran out on the floor ready as the one seed in the ACC tournament, and then they went back in the locker room. They never played. They came out. They were handed the trophy. It was an odd scene. What do you remember about that day uh, with your team and your players, and uh, just can you walk us through what that day was like? Well, it was uh, it was really, really strange. I mean, uh, following stuff the night before I, I could tell though in our film session we'd had at the hotel the night before our kids had, had, had we had a group that was really a, a very high competitive kids they, they like to play they like to win and we lost to Clemson a week earlier uh, on a buzzer beater by Alamir Dawes and I could tell our guys were excited about playing though they weren't just living on the uh, closing out the regular season with the Boston College win 
at home, but they had, they had got themselves back in a focus that they wanted to go represent themselves as the first time being the number one seed. And I could see it in the locker room. We got to the, the arena. We knew there wasn't going to be many fans because they knew how the ticket thing was going to was going to go, and nobody else was going to be in the arena. But I was up on the board doing the scout report on Clemson before we went out to warm up, and I could just see the look in our guys. I know our guys really well, and they were excited about playing. They want they wanted to see how far they could take this season now they had got the postseason. And when they went out to warm up and uh, our strength coach went out to tell them they had to come back in, the uh, decisions were being made. I could just uh, – I could the excitement of seeing them ready to play and then seeing the despondency on them of, man, what was going on and we're not going to get to do this. I mean, it was – it was hard to take as a coach and a leader when you when the the soldiers that you're you're going to battle with uh, don't get to do what they think their mission is. I mean, it was it was hard to see those guys because you love them so much and you want to see them achieve all their goals and dreams. And when they, they get that taken away, it, it was tough. But our guys handled it well. Um, and uh, the, the best thing that happened for us guys, you know, was uh, was uh, and I just talked to one of our kids' dads a little bit ago, and you know, having that game against Boston College where we were able to win the ACC regular season championship and it ended up being outright uh, when Louisville got beat by Virginia and uh, our athletic department celebrating that because it had never happened before Florida State. Our kids, they have that moment that a lot of times they wouldn't have got to have if it had just ended without them having that celebration and being celebrated on their home court by their home fans who had been fantastic for us. So it was a, it was an emotional drain. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was, it was difficult as a leader and it's difficult to see with your kids and We've tried to help them bounce back from it. I'm not sure they've totally gotten it past them yet, and they're even thinking about next year. And it's, we, We're way past where the Final Four would have been. But as uh, it, is, it is our times, and it is trying times for, for certain. I can't imagine, uh, especially with the squad that you all have, uh, what, what it felt like getting ripped away from you. Anything, any specific stories you can share of, of players or, or things that they said or have tried to do to bring a, a close to this season that will never actually really, really have a close again? I mean, you, you all, like you said, you all are ACC champions and, and earned that, but no NCAA tournament. Um, obviously, you guys would have been gunning for a Final Four, and, and uh, I would have had you there in my bracket. Uh, any stories stand out from, from players about um, their reactions or, or um, in the aftermath of getting the season canceled? Well, you know, we, we it was very difficult because, you know, we, that was Thursday of the ACC tournament. Uh, we were able to get a flight back home late that night on Thursday, so we didn't get back till around midnight. We didn't know what the status of the NCAA tournament was going to be, so – uh, we had a team meeting scheduled for that Friday afternoon to to give everybody a schedule and clarity of what was going to happen next. And by that time, the NCAA tournament had been totally canceled. And it had gone from we were going to play at empty arenas to, uh, to not having it at all. So we, we had that uh, – what well, actually had been postponed. It hadn't totally been canceled at that time. So they, they didn't know if it could be done at a later date. So no, no. we had that meeting and uh, – uh, we went over all the policies on what could happen on campus and everybody hold tight. Uh, if your parents want you to come home, we understand it because our spring break had started that Friday. Yep. So there wasn't anything to stay on campus for. So uh, we never had that time to really have a group meeting where you where you close the, the, the life of that team. Because, you know, as we tell our guys all the time, every team has one life. Uh, and, and when it's, it, you start as an infant and you finish – uh, as an old team, and it's it's over with, and then, then that team will never be together again. So we didn't have a chance to to have that. So we recently did a virtual team meeting online, and we let our guys, uh, the four guys that are leaving the program, the two seniors and the two guys going or that are already entrance to the NBA, uh, you know, kind of say their 
their goodbyes and their thoughts and that the challenges that they wanted to leave their teammates and uh, uh, that was uh, really really good and they and they kind of you know they called out guys that they were expecting to to step up and what they needed to do and how they wanted the program to not just be remembered but where they wanted the uh, the the, uh, the the future to to advance to uh, whenever we get to play the season that's coming up here in 2021 so that was really a a positive emotional time with those guys just sharing uh, just real. Uh, raw emotions about uh, how they felt about being a Florida State Seminole basketball player uh, and uh, that group as a whole. And then they, they turned it over and they left the meeting. And then, you know, our, our returning leaders uh, that were on the uh, uh, the leadership council last year, then it was their job to kind of take over and start talking to their teammates about uh, and their coaches about the future and kind of starting the, the lifespan of a new team. So that was, the uh, you know, not really want to be specific of what those guys talk to each other about, yeah, but just sure. positive emotions and the uh, and the closure and the restarting of a new team was uh, was was healthy and beneficial to our whole group, from the coaches to the players. Florida State associate head coach and assistant hall assistant coach Hall of Famer Stan Jones joining us on Sports Channel Eight, the radio show. Hey, I mentioned this earlier. You were uh, Coach Leonard Hamilton's first hire, and you're the longest tendered. So long as tenured assistant coach in the ACC, um, how did you first get to know uh, Leonard Hamilton, and what's your relationship with him like? Well, you know, I'm starting my 25th year with Coach Hamilton. Uh, outside of the 18 years, this will be the 19th year at Florida State. Uh, and I tell this story all the time. Being a person of faith, I mean, I, I'm I'm working in the ACC for Jay Leonard Hamilton because of divine providence. I mean, he, he saw me coaching. Uh, as a high school coach uh, in the a- in the AAU national tournament in the, in Lawrence Joel Memorial Coliseum in, 19, in the summer of 1995, uh, I got together with a uh, African American lawyer in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, where I was a high school coach, and we had been able to bridge the segregation gap of having the first time ever that the black public school kids and the white private school kids that were still divided in that state had come together and formed the AAU team and played together. And uh, we were there, and we had a really good team. And uh, co- Coach saw us play. We had a kid on our team who had lived in Miami for, for a, a few years, so knew a little bit about that background on him. And back then, uh, coaches could come talk to the AAU coaches during the tournament. The rules are a little different now. And, uh, he had had a coach leave his staff the day recruiting started. And, and you probably know from Coach Hamilton's history, when recruiting starts, Every priority in his life changes because that's where he is a uh, monster at and where he, he uh, thrives in And because he, he has such a laser focus about it. And he wasn't expecting that coach to leave the staff, but he was looking for a coach that had worked in the famed five-star basketball camp family back when that was a significant thing you had to be a part of as a player or a coach to kind of earn your spurs uh, at the ba- in the basketball world, especially high school and college. Because uh, college coaches could work that camp at that time, and you, know, you didn't have the AU tournament and the uh, shoe company tournaments were not the big deal at that point. You had to go there and and, and prove yourself against the best of the best uh, as a player and a coach. Uh, and he was looking for somebody that had a reputation of being a uh, a really good player development guy and a, and a team development guy, uh, and had been a head coach at any level. I mean, Coach Hamilton's the kind of guy that he. He knows what he's looking for when he hires his staff and creates his staff. He tells us all as he prepares us, if we ever have the opportunity to be head coaches, you know, the hardest job you have to do as a, as a head coach is hire your staff, and it's the most important thing you have to do. And you can't just hire your friends. you got to hire people to fill your leadership gaps and, and complete the, the synergy of the group 
so your staff works like a team, so your team will work, uh, work like a team. Because if a team sees a divided staff or an egotistical staff, you know, they're going to play the same way. And I think that's a, a big strength of our program of why we get our kids to play so unselfish is the chemistry of our staff is everybody uh, trusts each other, everybody believes in each other, and we, we get along uh, in, in such a way that our kids don't see any fractures in our leadership uh, front so they don't feel like they can have any fractures uh, in the locker room. And so one thing led to another, and a, a week before my high school year starting, Back at the high school I was at in Jackson, Mississippi, Coach Hamilton offers me the job. And one miraculous thing after another lived and, and how I got, was able to sell my house, how I was able to move to Miami. And uh, I go from uh, coaching at an affluent private school in, in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and to working for an African-American head coach in, in the uh, magic city of Miami. And we're there for five years <laughs> and have some great players and some great teams that uh, won the Big East uh, regular season championship in our last year. We went to the Sweet 16 and uh, and had some really good players go to the NBA and James Jones and John Salmons and Tim James. And Coach Hamilton got hired to be uh, the Washington Wizards head coach out of that uh, run. And yep. I was blessed enough that he felt confident in me to take me to be one of his bench coaches uh, with, the, with the Wizards. And so I was there. That was six years. And then the next year, Michael Jordan came back to play and Coach Hamilton uh, – uh, for a lot of different reasons, for another story. Some other time, if you guys have me on, we'll talk about that story. But he yeah. sits out a year, and I'm on the staff at Mississippi State, and then he brought me back uh, to be uh, his associate head coach at uh, Florida State that next spring, and we've been trying to make Florida State basketball a destination place since then. Associate head coach Stan Jones joining us on 99.9 The Fan. Coach, we uh, we watch Florida State, you know, from afar. We we, we enjoy watching you for the, the players you – that you guys develop and, and the plays that are called. And, but one thing that we can kind of see through the, through the television and when we're live is the whole team just seems super loose. It just seems like you guys, it's just a fun group to be in. I noticed that, and other basketball fans will notice that, when you look at the Florida State bench, it's not your traditional setup of head coach and then the assistants sit beside each other and then the players. Like, you're sitting there right in the middle of the players more often than not. What well, Where does like little things like that come from? Is there any – right any reason to that but it just seems like florida state is turned into like just a a cool place to go play basketball um from afar well that all comes from the top down i mean coach hamilton is such a selfless and egoless leader he doesn't care who gets the credit uh and he cares more about the development of our our players as men than he does as basketball players and i tell all the recruits families when i'm in a recruiting situation with him and you know is as good a basketball man as Leonard Hamilton is, he's a far greater molder of people. And uh, the kids see that genuineness and they see the follow-up and they see the former players come back and all the things he does for them to make sure they're having the best life possible, uh, whether it's playing professionally, whether it's getting into coaching ranks or getting into professional sports or just being business people. Or And he talks to them about fatherhood. Uh, every player that leaves our program, he leaves, he, he leaves them with a book called Point Man, which is – a book about being a strong father and a strong husband uh, and all those things. And, and he uses the line that I'll never know how good a coach I was to a player or to a team until 20 years after I coach him uh, because he has a, a commitment that way. And, and he never worries about getting the spotlight. He never he never calls his players out in the, in the media. If he's going to call them out, he does it in, in the appropriate ways behind closed doors where it's, you know, it's, it's uh, we have trust in each other, but we, we kind of design our bench that way, so we have leadership at all parts of the bench. Because, you know, it's, these kids are under an immense pressure cooker. 
they have a lot of expectations uh, with today's technology and the expectations of family members and yep. the opportunities to the financial reward of playing at the next level. Uh, you could have guys that could really get emotional and lose their composure and, 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 and kind of check out of the game plan and check out of the, uh, the emotional involvement of the game. So, and you know, we try to have our staff because we, we have all guys of great character and we have all coaches that uh, can really really know how to talk to kids on a level that they uh, respond to. Uh, and that's just developed over time. Where, you know, We actually kind of moved it around a little bit where our director of basketball operations, uh, who'd been with us for a long time, was able to take a, a job in corporate America that he really wanted to do. And if you looked at our bench this year, I kind of moved toward the front of the bench cause we could, so we could space it out so Coach could kind of do his walking and oversight of the game and have a voice, and uh, if he was up closer to the to the coaching box line at the, out that they've extended out to, he could he, I could get in his ear, and he's down toward the middle, and Coach C.Y. and Coach Smith are that area, and then we got all the players and our strength coaches at the far end of it, and our trainers. So every kid that's coming in and out of the game, they got somebody they got they can talk to. Um, the guy that immediately comes out of the game would sit right there on that front seat next to me, so I could kind of go over some strategical things or individual things he needed to look at or things he, uh, that he had uh, done really well that we wanted to reinforce with him. So uh, we do all that. Everything we're doing is about development with our, with our, with our team. The most important word in our program is development. And that's, that's in every area, not just becoming a better shooter or a better dribbler, you know, but just becoming a better student of the game, a better human being, uh, building yourself up from the mental, the, the emotional, the spiritual, uh, in all those areas, even even in the academic area, the way he he uh, holds our guys accountable without just being crazy, and the way we individualize even our uh, academic preparations, uh, and our, our strength and conditioning stuff, we uh, it's gotten to the point uh, where every, everything's individualized, where we're not wasting time, where the kids see the production of it. And I tell people this time, you know, the, the way you ha- you have a successful entity, whether it's in business, in a church, or in a in a team, is you got to know that. You're trying to have everybody work for the, the the good, the greater good of the group. Sure. But the key is you got to make every person in that group understand that they're listening to uh, a radio station like you guys are on. It's called WIIFM, and that means what's in it for me. So for them <laughs> to submit to the greater group of the team, they got to know what's in it for for me. And so we we try to craft individual plans for each player, so every kid knows that everybody's got something they're working for. So they're there's not a jealousy of well they're playing this guy because of favorites or he's playing because he's been here and I just got here. Everybody's sat down and Coach Hamilton and the staff and then we we hold these guys to uh, we we call them boxes where they we, they're, they're things they're focused on of where they're trying to get to and everybody they, everybody realizes everybody's on a different path but they're not jealous of each other so they can become genuinely happy for each other they can cheer for each other uh, and they cannot lose their mind when they don't have as great a production or a great a game as they want to have. Because uh, they realize the big picture of what's going on, and it's, it's created a really fun dynamic where, you know, uh, for the last five or six years, I've not walked out of practice one day and said, "Man, I wish I didn't have to deal with that guy today," because he just got too much drama, and he's too yeah. moody, and he's too selfish, and that kind of stuff. We've just got kids that really want to do things the right way, and it's starting to pay off where the NBA people are are seeing that. To, you know, I had an NBA oh, yeah. front office person the other day say. It's going around the league now that people are saying if there's an FSU player available at your draft pick, you need to just take them because they understand how to fill a role and they understand how to be a part of a team. And I thought that was a great uh, one of the greatest compliments we could ever have for our group. Yep, you've had uh, a player selected in three of the last four drafts, including three first-round picks, 
probably two first-round picks this year in Vassell and Williams. Uh, our NBA expert, Brian Geisiger, uh, hit me with those stats. But, yeah, you guys uh, are not only beloved by guys who are looking for a place to go to college, but beloved by NBA guys who are looking to pick a guy out of college right now. Associate Florida State head coach Stan Jones joining us. All right, I know you want to talk about your players and your team, but we got to ask a couple quick personal questions. Coach, why did you ditch, ditch the mustache, and where did the old burgundy blazer go? We feel like you've updated your wardrobe, but we miss your signature old burgundy blazer. So the mustache and the blazer, what happened? Well, like, obviously you didn't get to see all of our 31 games this year because there's, there's one game a year I still bring. And, you know, we are at Florida State. We are Garnet. We are not Burgundy. We are not at Mississippi State. Oh, that's my, like bad. my bad. My bad. My bad. We are Garnet. So you got to make sure you get things right. But yeah, I break it out about once a year just for old time's sake. You know, it's kind of a, you know, coaches, we get a little superstitious, you know, for certain games uh, that, that has some meaning to it. You kind of got to bring those out. I wore that at uh, Garnet Jacket in the uh, ACC championship game in 2012 when we won our first ACC tournament championship. Yes. So whenever whenever you get to one of those games, I think I wore it in the Louisville home game this year when we had the uh, the second of our two games in Louisville this year. So uh, that's still in the rotation. And, you know, again, being superstitious, you know, I, I had the, uh, the mustache and the goatee going there for that four years of NCAA runs were, uh, from 2009 to 2012. And, uh, when we, and I let it ride through 2013 when we didn't make the tournament. And then when 2014 happened and we were one win away, we were the, I think we were the 70th team when the, when the NCAA people put up who got left out. And right. the SMU was the first team out and we were the second team out. I said, I got to change this up, man. We got to get back to going to the NCAA tournament. So I had to, had to move that on and try to find some, some new superstitious, superstitious magic. Stan Jones, Florida State. Man, we really appreciate you joining us. We will definitely have you back because I want to hear those other stories you mentioned. I want to ask you growing up as a child of missionaries, but uh, we only have so much time. Uh, follow him on Twitter, <laughs> at Coach Stan Jones. Follow their program. Florida State's one of the best basketball programs in the country. We're lucky to have him as part of the ACC. Thank you so much for all you do, um, and thank you for your time here with us today, Stan. We appreciate it. Hey, and guys, I've been doing a lot of these over my career. But I love this show today. Woo! Stan Jones says he loves the show, man. We appreciate it. We love you, Stan. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Stay blessed and safe, fellas. Chip Patterson, CBS Sports. What's going on, man? I feel like Stan Jones should be the entire best of and stuff you missed. Uh, like stuff you yeah. missed is done for the day. <laughs> it really Stan is. Jones, 21 <laughs> minutes. Just let that roll. Dennis Cox, is it eerie sometimes how much uh, different members of Sports Channel 8 think alike, even when they clearly have not communicated <laughs> yes. on, on things? Yes, either you guys text that to each other, but yeah. No, 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 no. We just have the same great ideas. But yeah, stuff you miss, I, I just might break that up into two segments and hit play. I got to admit, <laughs> now I feel bad because I think he heard me saying that was the longest interview in the history of our show, and he tweeted at us saying, sorry if I went long, and I feel like he took it as me saying – he went too long, and I meant like, no, 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 no. We kept the interview going. We extended that interview. We wanted to interview uh, Stan Jones for as long as possible. He so. sounded just as appreciative for the lively, good conversation. And, like, I'll, I'll say from the whatever experience I have that I am, like, not only is it really hard for you to, if someone texts you and says, hey, can you come on our show? 
it, right. it's really hard to be like, sorry, I'm busy. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You, you say yes a lot and you go on. And I will say that, you know, when, when it ends up being a lively discussion, I get off the phone and, and I am enthused and my day yeah. is uh -huh. better from just mm -hmm. having shared a good conversation. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Chip Patterson from CBS Sports joins us. Follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Chip, you are an expert at working from home. We are just novices, although we're getting a, a lot of practice at it. Um, do you have, uh, is, have we exhausted the list of Chip's tips of working from home? Or do you still have no, something this is, for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it, the, the tip is um, you've been in this for a while. You've started to, to figure out what works and doesn't work. We don't really know how much longer everyone's going to be working from home. And so if you haven't already, I would encourage you to try and develop presets. Um, presets are, you know, a couple different ways that you can click into different modes. And it's something, you know, with your activities, it's something with your, your mentality, because I've never known what day it is. The, the weekends often are busier and more weekday like than a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I mean, it's just sort of the, been my experience covering college football, college basketball, golf, and also working from home. And so I, I realized that I've developed a, a preset that is give yourself a break and be lazy. That's lay on the couch and watch Jesus and Marrow. A preset that is give yourself a break but be active. That's doing laundry, doing chores, stepping away from the computer. A preset that is, I've got to write a long article that sit at the kitchen table. A preset that is, uh, I've got to, you know, go and get ready for this podcast that might be sitting in the office. And so as you move about your home and your workspace and, and you try and think about ways that you can split up the different types of attitudes, approach and mindsets that you've got to take to your different tasks, it'll take that whole um, anxiety and paranoia about losing track of what day it is and this, that, or the other, because you're like, all right, for the next three hours, like this is my preset. So you've started to figure out what works for you. And I always encourage people to say what work to go with what works for you, but finding your presets, knowing what they are and being able to toggle between them is a great way to be able to uh, productively work your way through a day. Work from home expert at chip underscore Patterson on Twitter, chip Patterson, giving us chips tips for working from home. All right, next up chip, I've got to put you on the spot here and I apologize for doing this, but somebody raised a great question. Uh, Duke, the students went away for spring break and never came back. Many of them had their stuff, people who lived on dorms, they are not going to return to campus um, for fear that, you know, bringing all those people back will um, possibly spread the virus. They are hiring people to pack up the dorm rooms and send them home, which raised the question, what would be the worst thing? Like, let's say your parents went to pack up your dorm room and had to send it home on the sports channel eight Slack thread. One of the best answers was the Chia pet where I hide, you know, certain things could be anything. Uh, is there, is there a most memorable thing from your college dorm days, or I'll even extend it to your college fraternity room days that would be most, uh, You'd be most worried about somebody packing up and sending uh, sending back to your house. Uh, <laughs> Is, can we go down the list far enough to something that you could actually say on the radio or are willing to share with us? Well, I, I, I would say this. If in this situation, because I thought about the, the Duke uh, case, because they are hiring people. And so, like, I imagine that these are going to be movers. And I will say that the movers might have an advantage because there's certain things that they find that I don't think these students would uh, put on a claim ticket. 
You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Like, like, like if there's things that were in your dorm room that aren't going to be in the box that gets shipped to you, uh, there's probably some advantages to being the hired hands that uh, that help move them out of there. Like that's true. Certain certain that things. That is very that true. If they go missing, I don't think anyone's going to ask for it. It's <laughs> true. No one's going to. Yeah. There's certain things that you can't call the cops and report stolen. Um, that is that is a great point. That that, that kind of goes to my um, solution to the problem, too. Like, hey, there there is somebody between um, your parents receiving that box in the mail and opening it before you. And it is that guy packing. And you need to find out who that is. And, you know figure out how much it's worth to you to get in their pocket to make sure that item does come back to you. So, um, Josh, Goodson, I, th I think that for, that's what oh. I would do. I would, I would just have to say that, uh, it, in the back of my head, I would have to count whatever I would be worried about as lost. And if it makes it into the box, then, uh, I mean, let's just say I'm, I'd be really hopeful that my parents wouldn't pack it up. Well, and also with, uh, if, I mean, if they're truly being sent home, you definitely have some, some, uh, leeway in like, Folks, I mean, it's clearly this got sent to the wrong place. This, this was not, <laughs> this was not mine. Clearly, they put everything in the hall and then put some stuff in some wrong boxes. Because yeah, these Jordans are mine, and this CD collection is still mine. But this, I've never seen this before in my life. Right, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, this the, the the time in transit from dorm room to house. I feel like you can point a lot of fingers. Allows for something. Chip, uh, two quick football questions. I know the Cover 3 podcast that you do uh, has a degenerate side to it that I look forward to every week And as far as locks come. And with no sports, all we can look at is future odds. And so this past week we had some odds come out uh, from some of the books on ACC Atlantic odds and ACC Coastal odds. The two questions are, number one, is there anyone on the Atlantic side that you – is there any value in anyone on the on the Atlantic side to take? And we know Clemson is like one to fifteen, and then you know all the other teams are long shots. And on the coastal side, is it worth looking at any of the top three teams, which would be North Carolina, Miami, and Virginia Tech? Or with it being the coastal and it kind of weird, is it just better to go with someone with worse odds than that? I, I think that the ACC Atlantic is going to be uh, a pretty bad division this year. Yeah. Um, I like, we we're actually, this is ACC week. We recorded the ACC Atlantic, um, sort of it's, we're calling it spring gleaning. Um, and mm -hmm. it's basically like team by team breakdowns. We did the Atlantic on Monday. We're going to be recording the coastal today. And as I was going through looking at it, I mean, if, if you want to pick somebody and like take a flyer on them, I'd take Florida state. Yeah. Um, and just like the idea that you, you've got, uh, a talent level that's a little bit higher. They were in so many games last year that they ended up losing. And if Mike Norvell is able to do that thing, similar to what Scott Satterfield did, I mean, obviously you're not going to have a, what a six win increase for Florida state from six and seven to 12 and one. But if you're just trying to, to hold it onto a ticket, like I, you know, where, where is Syracuse going to get better? Boston college is losing AJ Dillon and Anthony Brown. Like it, what is Boston college going to do? Wake forest loses a ton. They're going to be taking a step back. The NC, like NC state has a whole lot of question marks. I just think the bottom of that ACC Atlantic division only makes Clemson's hold on the division even tighter. And then in the coastal division, I, I wouldn't go too much farther beyond the top three, but I also wouldn't. Is this uh, just odds to win the division or odds to win the yeah, whole conference? The division. Yeah, I mean, 
that's the, I, I wouldn't feel confident about either one of those, but I would say either Miami or North Carolina would be the ones that I would recommend. All right. On Thursdays, we do way too early power rankings. These are not actually way too early, just a little bit early. Chip, what are our power rankings for today? Today's way too early power rankings are kind of too early or maybe a week too early are going to be <laughs> the NFL draft buzzwords. Uh, yes. yes, I'm for this. Bring them okay. to me. All right. Number five. Uh, I know Mike Mayock is now a general manager with the Raiders, but this was just a, a true like Mayock staple. Got to shout him out here. I know everybody uses uh, mostly the same library, but burp the baby. D have y'all heard this one? What? What? No. Okay. Burp the baby is when a quarterback hesitates in the pocket and is tapping the ball with his hand. And okay. so by hesitating in the pocket, <laughs> You miss the window to hit your wide receiver. So burp the baby is a bad thing, and it means you're not decisive as a quarterback. Okay, I picture it now that you describe it, but that's unreal. All right. All right, number four, eye discipline. Uh, the thing I love about <laughs> eye discipline is it's like a, the cousin of football IQ, and uh, you don't know what the play call was. Like, you don't know what the assignment for that linebacker or that safety was on the play call. So you're, you are diagnosing from either watching highlights or maybe even watching full cutups that they did the right job of having their eyes in the right places. I call fooey on that. Uh, I <laughs> discipline. I love it to talk about it, but I discipline's number four, all number right. three, straight line speed. You got to run in all directions. It's football. You run left, you run right, you run forward, you run back, you run at angles, you try and take good angles, straight line speed, just running it in a straight line. Like I'm, I, I don't think that that provides, uh, that doesn't provide a reason why I should draft you uh, to overshadow other reasons why I shouldn't. Great, uh, great sounding term though. Straight line speed. Straight line. I'll tell you straight what. Straight line speed. Henry Ruggs has great straight line speed. Like, <laughs> what? Ted, Ted Ginn had great straight line speed, right? You know, come on. Uh, number two, and I'm curious to see, because it gets mentioned a lot. Do you know what it means when it's, uh, he, he plays well in a phone booth? No. I do, yes. In basketball, so, I used to hear, like, shoot out of a phone booth, but I don't know, like, plays well in a phone booth. It, it's offensive linemen that don't have great feet to get to the next level or get out in space. He's great in a phone booth, but really struggles to accelerate to the second level. <laughs> what? What? He plays well in a phone booth? Football's played on a field, not in phone booths. Also, we don't even, we don't even have phone booths anymore. Shout out I mean, to Carolina Alehouse. I mean, Carolina Alehouse is like keeping the phone booth alive. Could you imagine if we were still using phone booths uh, during the coronavirus outbreak? We'd be toast. Go, go, yeah. If they weren't already gone, they would be now. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, number one, uh, tread left on the tires. It is very easy <laughs> to convey the idea of it, and I put it as my number one because I think it's a little bit lazy. I understand that particularly for running backs, there've been some statistics where they put magic numbers of carries together, but Derrick Henry was a workhorse at Alabama. 
Nick Saban was so frustrated with Florida State transfer Jacob Coker that he just said, forget passing. Sorry, Lane. We're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry 45 times a game. Shocker, (laughs) Derrick Henry ran into the butt of his offensive lineman, gained five yards per carry, 2,300 yards on the season, and won the Heisman Trophy. You'd think a lot of tread was off those Derrick Henry tires, and then he carried the Tennessee Titans all the way into the playoffs. So, I'm not really here for tread left on the tires. It is a violent game. You could have very little tread on your tires and still be an injury risk. So, yeah, yeah, tread left on the tires, number one on my uh, NFL draft buzzwords. (laughs) That is (laughs) – give me the five terms, just the terms very quickly, five to one. Five, burp the baby. Four, (laughs) eye discipline. Three, straight line speed. Two, Playing in a phone booth and one <laughs> tread left on the tires. Chip Patterson, CBS Sports, the way too early rankings of NFL draft terms. You will hear those a lot next week. Uh, he is the man who knows. You've been listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. This podcast also drops every weekday at noon. Thanks again for listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast.